Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activist empowerment talk radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? I am a revolutionary. It's about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming, Transforming truth, truth to power. One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. And welcome to another edition of Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm going to be moving this buggy up the road tonight. How you doing? What's up? Good to have you with us tonight on Open Mic Saturday night at Our Common Ground. And what we do in these two hours, in the next two hours, is... We look at what's important to you, what has fancied your black thinking this week, and uh, we hope that you will join us at 347-838-9852. I hope that you are cozy and warm. Fall has descended in New England. Um, That means you hit the switch. What switch is that? The switch for the heat! (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. I was reaching for it. It's really interesting for a Southern girl how that happens. I have a number of things that happen to me when the weather starts changing. I know what to do with summer. It's all instinctive. 
But I grew up in the deep south, the tropical south, South Florida, West Palm Beach. Say hi to my homies out there. But when the weather starts to get cold, somehow I have very little instinct, despite the fact that I have been living in and out of cold New England for more years than I lived in Florida. I have a hard time figuring out, okay, is this the day you're supposed to wear the the gloves? Okay, is this the day you're supposed to put on the heavy coat or the light coat? Um, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm very different from most black women in this area. I only have two pairs of boots. The boots, the day that it's storming and it's snowy, and the boots where the snow is on the ground. Those are the only two boots I have. Now, I don't play around. Boots doesn't happen to be a fashion accessory for me. I mean, I I look around sometimes on the on the train and I see these women with these boots all the way up to their knees. The boots are all the way up to their knees. First of all, I have time for that kind of zipper or those kinds of closures, so I don't bother. And so I'm um I get a little bit confused and for a couple of hours, even though I was a freezing I was saying, oh, okay, do we turn the heat on? Uh, no, I don't think, I think it's too early to turn the heat on. Oh, okay, but it's cold. I went through that for a couple of hours yesterday, and finally I had to surrender to the button because it's been raining and cold, and I try to give it, I, I, I'm, I'm not always an obstacle optimistic person, but sometimes I try to give it the old optimism. So I think of this time of year where it rains and it blows cold air, and I think of that as God doing fall cleaning and knocking out all the limbs and leaves and debris that might be in the way when the real weather comes. So we thank you so very much for being with us at our common ground. If you have a Twitter account, why don't you Twitter your your followers and let them know that we are here until midnight tonight, and we are going to open up our microphones. But I always on open mic. Saturday night, bring a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about black TV, not black TV with the black people being in the TV, not the characters of the people who, the black people who are in the black TV, but the messages. I want to talk about what messages are we getting and uh, who decided that all of a sudden, after many years of sidelining black people on uh, television programming, all of a sudden, I'm being told that um, that black TV um, in prime time 
is beating the box office. I, I don't know if you've caught it, but Vanity Fair carried, carried an article this week, Empire Strikes Back, Why Black TV is Beating the Box Office, and you, after this show, might want to check it out. For those of you who are listening on your smart devices, you might also want to join the people who come into the chat room, and House Music Lover is in the place, and India declare the I Declare show, and uh, YJ, all of our our people who have been with us forever uh, are in our chat room, and they talk to each other about what they're hearing as we do this broadcast. So you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG and join them. If you don't have a Blog Talk Radio account, you can get one very quickly and get a, a handle, and we'll know that you're there. Alpha is in the house, and you know that Alpha is my bestest brother uh, of all times, and I talked with him today for you fans of, of the Alpha show that uh, broadcasts on Friday nights at 10 p.m. on our sister station, TruthWorks Network. Alpha has been under the weather. As a matter of fact, let me just say, if we're going to speak truth to each other, Alpha has been very, very ill. Seriously ill. And he is coming back. He sounds strong. Uh, He was with us last week uh, to talk about some political stuff. Um, And he's been in our chat room for the last month or so. Um, I, you know that he has taken over the rehabilitation center where he is, but he is getting better, and we are really looking forward to uh, having him uh, bring us back, especially since we're going into the campaign season um, for the 2016 election. Uh, Pat Jefferson just slithered on in. She brought her popcorn and her refreshments with her and she's getting ready to stay with us over the next two years two hours and we hope that you will you know i've been thinking a lot uh, about what this nation is and one of the things about our citizenship our presence in this nation and i want to talk to you about tonight my featured topic uh, is to talk about our relationships, the adult relationships, how uh, it's particularly around parents who have adult children. Uh, I have adult children. I even have an adult granddaughter who drove her brand new car that she got for graduation to New York City this weekend, and I think that's going to be her pattern. That girl knows she loves New York. We're going to get her the T-shirt, the mug, and the hat. But I heard something that Stephen Colbert had to say, and I'm usually not one that watches the evening shows, Colbert and whatever the other, Jimmy Kimball or Kimmel or whatever. I, I don't generally watch those kind of shows. But he said something that caught my um, my ear. He said that something like, If this is going to be a Christian nation that doesn't help the poor, uh, either we have to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or 
we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy without condition. And then he said, and then we have to admit that we just don't want to do it. And I think that's where it takes us, especially after you read all of the reviews of what people in this nation have had to say, did learn, did not learn, uh, observed about the Pope's recent visit. I didn't say very much last week about the Pope's visit, and I did follow it. I followed it very carefully, because if we look at the millions of people in this country who are Catholic, especially up in this area, Boston is a huge Catholic-populated city, as is the suburban areas that surround it. So I, I kind of I'm kind of like Stephen with Stephen Colbert on this. We have to either love the poor and serve the needy without condition, or admit that we just don't want to do it. And and we have to we have to be able to embrace everything that goes with that because that is not something serving the poor and the needy is not something that happens in isolation it also happens in what i call truth truth living you know and so here we have a country um and voters who are following behind the likes of Donald Trump the whole the whole nine yards of them i don't know if you caught it i hope you did Um, This week, during the hearings on uh, the issue of defunding Planned Parenthood, Elijah Cummins ate them alive, the GOP. I was so proud of him. He just ate them alive, alive. Because, you know, we've got to have people who are willing to do that. Because, uh, uh, and, and I do want to extend um, my sympathies to the, to the families of those who were um, assassinated at the Oregon College. And, and, and we're, we're dealing with a sheriff who is investigating the shooting, who has indicated, I mean, this guy's a nut job. He is an absolute nut job he has indicated that uh he doesn't believe sandy hook happened can you imagine the sheriff of a uh, of a county in oregon where nine people are dead at a community college and the sheriff who is investigating has indicated I mean, can can we really get serious about a lot of these things? And I know these things are not are not on our agenda tonight, but I I do have to mention them. But Elijah Cummins, I would he shut the Republicans down on um, Tuesday. Uh, he just shut them down. He called out the Republican hypocrisy of defunding Planned Parenthood, and he said, while you're ignoring real criminal corporations all right now, you just keep that up, you know, because I had some kind of harsh things 
to say about uh, Elijah Cummings um, some while back uh, in the first uh, session of the 2015 season, because I really I have I have lost all patience and have no tolerance for what this um, uh, Congressional Black Caucus is doing and is not doing. Corrine Brown is fighting for her life as they gerrymander her district so that the majority of the people who live in the new district, because they uh, because the population is so heavily uh, populated with ex-felons, can't vote. That's what they're doing, and it's gerrymandering. And last I checked, gerrymandering was illegal. So here is a, you know, I mean, America is imploding. And one of the reasons that I do our common ground, I produce our common ground, the way in which I produce it, is because I am unwilling to let the headlines, of events because the events would have us so distracted. I am unwilling to allow that. You know, um, last week CNN was showing uh, us a pope that they despised for hours on end while Fox News promoted single-digit candidates and Trump, leads the polls nationwide, and then he goes to C-SPAN to be ignored by the mainstream media. I mean, is it journalism yet? Folks, we're doomed. We are really doomed. And I don't know if you know that um, the nutcake Glenn Beck is back on TV. Yep. Y'all, he's back. He's tra- he's doing the same thing that um Palin is doing or did and she failed, but I I really believe that in this environment um Glenn Beck is going to be be pretty um he's going to be pretty um um successful. Well, he's back and he's charging $10. And from all estimates and projections, this year, revenues will be at $20 million. Now, I'm not going to start the, this program tonight out by speaking about the abundance of media outlets available. Um, years ago, Al Franken said when he was on Air America, we used to have 50 comedy clubs and 50 good comics. Now we have 500 comedy clubs and 50 good comics. And in many ways, that is what's happening to radio and TV. But going back to our agenda tonight, I want to hear about your experiences with black TV. Not the characters, not the... Not the, the um, the uh, shows in particular, but the messages that we are getting, uh, particularly around children. The other is I want to talk about, I posed a question, and that question was, 
whether or not in our community one of the responses that we are having to this war on us of denial, absenteeism, amnesia, and a, and, a, and a host of other kinds of dead silences, people who are not understanding what is happening to us as a collective. And and this this really struck me last week when we were with uh, Dr. Ruby Sales, whether or not we will claim rebellion and resistance as a result that we have really put ourselves or the the white supremacy and racism in this country has forced so many of our children you know the the I, i'm looking at the generation between 1980 and 2015 who are not engaged in a struggle of any kind who go to college and think oh uh I go to college to get a job. I go to college to better my life. Well, if we don't fix some of the other problems, your life is not going to be better. And in many ways, I believe that that, ha- that, that is narcissistic personality, borderline personality disorder. When you think, when you are watching what is happening to others that look like you, you don't understand, you can't construct an, a critical analysis about how it relates to you, so you just have some amnesia about how you are connected to that struggle and move right the hell on and go get your better job. So I, I, I want to ask people, what think about my response to all of this? Um, the third uh, featured topic that uh, if you want to give us a call and, and and give us your ideas and and opinions, and uh, also is about the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, which is the Justice or Else rally, which is happening in Washington D.C. next Saturday, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. We're going to get started. Thank you for being with us. Our number, again, you might want to write it down, 347-838-9852. And if you are in your car and you have a listening device with you, your phone, you can call into that number, 347-838-9852. Plug it right into your um, auxiliary, and it will come right through your – will come right through your um, – right through your speakers in your car. We also want to uh, make a note, a history note, that today in 1967, Thurgood Marshall was sworn in to the as the first black member of the Supreme Court of the United States. He died in 1993 he left the court in October 1991. We're going to start off with um, some wisdom from Dr. Julia Hare of the Black Think Tank. 
Many of you may not know, Dr. Hare has been a huge supporter of our common ground. Um, and um, the Hares, Dr. Julia and Nathan Hare, have been comrades of mine since the early 80s. And although though there has been no public announcement, many of you no doubt are aware that Dr. Hare has been living with Alzheimer's for several years. And she was diagnosed with the end stage of the condition during the Christmas Kwanzaa holidays last year. Um, however, she subsequently served notice that rumors of her demise are just a bit premature. And we wish her all of the great coming of good fortune along with her husband. So Dr. Nathan Hare has been adamant about insisting that however he does it, he will keep her in their home and care for her as long as it is required. Um, It is a diabolical and incurable condition. So we are asking you to support the hares in this. They have done so much for us. Go to GoFundMe.com backslash let her be free donation. These people have sacrificed their lives for black people. And we're asking you to support it. I'm going to be putting the the uh, link in our chat room. And um, we hope that you will follow the link and support Dr. Julia Hare and Dr. Nathan Hare in keeping her home. This is something her husband, out of his love for her, had not only promised her, but believed that this is what love is. So, again, the link is GoFundMe.com backslash Let Her Be Free and support the hairs. Dr. Julie Hare has done so much for us, and here she is in her own way. And we're going to start our discussion at 347-838-9852. Thank you for those who are just joining us, Dr. Julia. But on a serious note, to the extent that black relationships have survived as they have, what say you about that 400 years later? It is amazing that uh, black relationships have lasted for 400 years. And as we move into what has happened to this, I know that our relationships sometimes really reach a low ebb. That's one of the reasons why we wrote the book, How to Find and Keep a BMW, a Black Man Working. That was spelled out in there. It's just very serious. Because relationships, our relationships didn't start yesterday or last week. It also started 400 years ago when those 19 persons were here. And I want you to remember something very important that one of our, by any means necessary, power brokers told us, and that was Malcolm X. He said, if we can only remember, then you didn't land at Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on you. 
And it's very essential that we kind of keep this in place. And knowing that these are the things that happen, then we have to move more to change it. See, we have a system that would not like to see black males and black females together. They would not like to see that happening at all. Because once we come together, they understand the power of the strength of the black woman, the queen of the universe. They know that, her strength. They also know. They also know the power of the black male, the warrior, if you would turn him loose, who will protect also his family and things that need to be done. And because they understand that if our relationships are together, then they will lose, but if our relationships are torn up, then we can forever be treated in certain ways by the oppressors. That's why they gave us something called integration, which is nothing but the illusion of inclusion. They gave us this. They actually gave this statement. And when they gave that statement, it meant that they could go right into your homes. They went into the black homes now, the powers that be, and told us that you cannot discipline your children anymore. And if you discipline your children, you will go into jail. It's this kind of thing they told us. Now, this is amazing that, you know, the black uh, parents who in Africa, that was out of the question. Some social worker come in there saying you can't discipline your children, the social worker would disappear. As you all know, this kind of thing would go on. You would be sitting in a place like this, and all you had to do was act up and do something wrong, and all your mother had to do was to glance in your direction. Do you all remember that? And you remember that the glance meant, don't let me have to get up and come over there. And every once in a while in the black family, there was a fool who would challenge the glance. And if you could get home over the foot, over the ironing cart, over whatever, you were sent to the backyard to get something off the peach tree. And if you brought something in that was too short, God forbid that you would do something like that. But then it got so terrible in frightening us. This is why we got to take this back. And this is the best part of our action plan is to reclaim the minds of our children. Because then they went into the public schools and took discipline out of there. So when we acted up in there, they put our boys, our black men, into something called special ed classes. And as you know, those special ed classes are nothing but holding cells until they can go to the state prison. what they did. And then... The one thing that they knew that if we can put them in prison, if we can have them convicted for a felony, then once they get out of prison, they cannot get a job because of that. They cannot get the job. And then if they happen to eke out and find a job, then they have to pay taxes on a job, yet they cannot vote. And I call that, I call that taxation without representation. That's what we're looking at. And if one of the things that we would learn to do, they did a grand thing when they took that discipline away from us, because when they made our parents afraid to discipline the children, then what happened? We found out that the teachers were afraid of the principals, the principals were scared of the superintendents, superintendent was scared of the school board, school board was scared of the parents, parents were scared of the children, and the children ain't scared of nobody. And now for the last statement, the last statement, the reason why we're so pleased to have the covenant, it makes all of this type foolishness stop. It's going on under Angela Glover in San Francisco. It's all over the country. And they're all saying, we finally have a movement where we can take back over the minds of our children. And the first thing we got to take over, the covenant taught us that we do not have to have black leaders anymore. Tell us because everyone in this room is empowered to be a black leader. Everyone in this room. Because see, right now, Right now, these people that you're calling black leaders are not what they used to be with Marcus Garvey's day. They're not what they used to be back in the days of W.E.B. Du Bois or Martin Luther King. Those were the people that got us together and planted a strategy, and we're not looking for fame. But today's black leaders, I'm afraid, have become leading blacks.
And don't ever confuse leading blacks with black leaders. Let me tell you why you don't do that. One of the reasons you don't confuse them, black leaders are chosen by you. They're chosen by the people they're going to lead. They're chosen by us. But let me tell you about the leading blacks. The leading blacks are chosen by the media. Leading blacks, leading blacks are chosen by ABC, all broadcasting Caucasians. Should I should should, should I should I stop her or let her go? This is the last. This is last. It, leading blacks are also chosen by NBC. Nothing broadcasting but Caucasian. And the rest is chosen by CBS, the Caucasian broadcasting system. When you allow, when you allow leaders to be chosen by the media, that's owned by the corporations. When you get ready to change your lives, when you get ready to demonstrate, when you get ready to march, when you get ready to come to the covenant, when you get ready to endorse and make uh, a Tavis one of our next elected officials, well, what happens? Then you must take the time to carefully watch and see what the leading blacks are doing. Because that's when the leading blacks sneak into the door to the corporations, and they will tell the corporations, oh, we know how to go and put them down. We know how to get you some real affirmative action Negroes to come in here and work. We know how to do that. But at the end of the day, the leading blacks lead the corporations, and the leading blacks have gotten paid while we have gotten played. And you're listening to Our Common Ground tonight. Our Common Ground, broadcasting brave, bold, and black. Thank you for being with us tonight. I'm Janet Grant, and I'll be listening for you. Stay tuned. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, Janice Grant. Our number is 347-838-9852. And we're going right to our phone, 786. Uh, Brother Robert, you're on the line right now. How I you respect do? you. Thank you. Nice, thank you for being on the phone. Nice to have you. Let's talk to you finally, uh, Mr. Graham. I've been listening to your show for a while, and I uh, appreciate the work that you do. You do a, and we uh, appreciate your call and your support. Thank you. thank you very much. Not a problem What's on at your all. mind tonight? Uh, the the question, the, what's on my mind tonight is uh, foreign affairs, foreign policy, what's going on in the world. Do we think that uh, we are on the brink of a third world war with what is going on with Russia now in uh, in Syria, you know, doing airstrikes? There's also a report that came out today that the United States in Afghanistan bombed a uh, a uh, Doctors Without Borders hospital. And, you know, what is the position of uh, members of the African-American community on President Obama's foreign policy. Some believe that he's caused one of the greatest refugee crises since uh, World War II. 
And has Obama's foreign policy been a failure or a success? And are we willing to have that conversation with our black, about our black president, or are we so divorced from world events as black people that we, we don't care about foreign policy anymore? Well, let me start out the conversation by saying that I think that so many people who were anesthetized by the era of Barack Obama and having an African-American president, uh, I, I think so many people have come out of that. Really? Uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I do. I, I think that, I mean, five years ago, people were sending me crazy email because I said something not nice about the African-American president. I'm getting less of that, and I'm seeing, and and I must go to at least three or four meetings, local meetings here in Boston, uh, every week about something. And I'm seeing that people are more open to a critical analysis of the kinds of decisions that he has made, a more critical eye in... um, in 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 the ways in which he has left a gaping hole in what should have been an agenda for the mo- more entrenched uh poor people and and disenfranchised people in this country who are black people so with that being said Pascal l- let me say that I think that you are probably right as he I mean, did you see his face when he finished his meeting with Putin? Yeah, he was uh you know, Putin was smiling and he was cringing. It was it was it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, it was a interesting pose when they were um ending their time together. But I do think that his calculations around Syria, his calculations around Libya, uh, his calculations around where we were as a military, uh, militarized colonialist (laughs) in Iraq have all been kind of not well thought through. How about the the quote ISIS, ISIS is the JV team. Remember that one? Yes, yes, absolutely. As as thousands of people are being murdered, um, his his use of drones has been problematic in my mind in all of this. Um, but here's here's a here's a thorn, and we certainly are open to having more discussion tonight about this. Here's the thorn, I think, and I want to get your impression about uh, my thought is that he has propagated, promulgated foreign policy based on the capitalist needs of this country. That is no different from George Bush, from Bill Clinton, from all the people that followed before him. 
because, and I talk about this a lot on this radio broadcast, there is a government that has nothing to do with you folks out there casting your vote that runs the military um, complex, industrial complex, and runs also now the prison industrial complex and the law enforcement industrial complex, if you ask me. <laughs> but but it is that shadow government that is establishing the agenda for foreign policy for the Obama administration. Well, now, why do you I, think I, I, that might be? I'd like to address that, and let me tell you why I have a, a I have a fundamental problem with us looking at it this way, because when George W. Bush was going into Iraq and Afghanistan, we didn't make that excuse. When Nixon was in Vietnam, we didn't make that excuse. When Johnson was in Vietnam, we didn't make that excuse. When Reagan was bombing, was attacking Grenada, we didn't make that excuse. But because we have a black face doing the same thing that these imperial presidents have done, now we have to say that it is the shadow government, and he's just filling out the exigencies of the American imperialist project. And I think the main distinction as to why we need we need to be not so much more willing to make that excuse, but to be outraged is that the whole premise, the premise of the Obama presidency that has been accepted by African Americans is that this is somehow a fulfillment of our civil rights legacy. So if we as black people believe that the fulfillment of our civil rights legacy is to allow it to be leveraged for the American imperialist project, then our civil rights legacy is bankrupt. That's why I don't think we should make that excuse. Well, I, I don't think I don't think it is, is an excuse at, at all. I mean, from the way that I see it, I see that the Bush administration and the Clinton administration and the Eisenhower administration and the Kennedy administration all were 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 driven. Foreign policy was driven by a shadow government. Now, who's the shadow government? It's the well, you know, yeah, well, you know. Well, the shadow government, you can make the, you know, for, there's a book by a very famous sociologist. He wrote a book in the 1950s called The Power Elite. His name was C. Wright Mills. And what C. Wright Mills was basically saying in that book is that in America, that there are certain mechanisms, educational institutions, certain schools, certain industries that share a common thought process that are permeated by these people who are called the power elite. The power and elite run the military. that's what I'm talking about. And that's yes. when I say the shadow government, that's who I'm talking about. You can go to Yale. You can go, and, and I, have, I noticed this. You can go to Yale, you can go to Harvard, you can go to Columbia, you can go to almost every major university in this country, and you continually see the same names on the buildings. You can go to Boston University, you can go to Brandeis, you can see the same names of the people who have funded, the, who have paid for that building to be built. No, absolutely. I know. I went to Boston University School of Law. I understand. I, I lived in Boston for five years. I, I know these institutions well. I was educated absolutely. in one of them. Absolutely. And you know what I'm you talking know. about. I know exactly and, what you're talking about. And that is the foundation. I mean, people talk about the Koch brothers. The Koch brothers ain't got no juice compared to um, 
six or seven of the donors, major donors, who give over and over to Harvard University or to uh, uh, Harvard Business School or to Boston University or Boston College, it's all the same people. Yeah, I understand you know, that completely. It almost, that... Makes you say, it almost makes you say, damn, where the, where the hell are these people getting all this money? Where do they keep it? I understand that. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you that the imperatives of American imperialism and capitalism, both internationally and domestically, are, listen, the purpose of the American project is to protect capital. It is not to protect liberty. It is not to protect citizens. Thank the function, you. As, you know, as Herbert Hoover said, the business of America is business. That is the, mm-hmm. that is the, the purpose of this government. It is to protect capital, not to protect your rights, not to protect your civil rights. Rights, not to protect your racial rights, not to protect your personal, you know, individual claims. It is to protect the needs and the exigencies of capital. There's no question about that. That's why. That's why. That's why we have two capitalist parties that basically are in favor of the same thing. They both are pro empire. There's no question about that. That being said, if you look at what has been the position of African-American political thought and thinking in history in its relation to the American imperial project? We have had many instances throughout our history where African-Americans have been the voice of opposition to the American imperial project. You can go to Paul Robeson, you can go to Boyce, you can go to Hubert Harrison in the early 20th century, you can go to uh, the Black Panther Party chart challenging Vietnam, you can go to Dr. King. There is a consistent and rather proud tradition in the African-American political and social tradition of challenging the American imperial project. We did, you know, it, it has not been at its high point, obviously, in the post-civil rights years, but I would argue that it is more in line with the African-American political history to challenge the imperial project than to be a... A a uh, a a a a, 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 a you know supporters of the American Imperial Project. That has mm-hmm. not been the history of African Americans. And the reason why I particularly bring this up with Barack Obama when you're talking about the shadow government is that in the light of the fact that we have this history of being those who challenge the American Imperial Project, if you look back. Three years ago, when we were deciding whether or not we would go into war in Syria, this is a documented fact, the polls showed this, the only community in the country that demographically supported Barack Obama going to war in Syria was the African-American community. That's probably the first time in U.S. history that black people are the only community to support America going to war. Why are black people supporting an imperialist project under a black president when they have never done it before? Why? Because in our collective consciousness, we had attached his success as the face of American, political, uh, American, American imperialism to our 
a racial politics and a racial identity. And that is part of the pathology that this Obama experiment has played in the minds of the African-American body politic, mm-hmm. is that we now sign off on things. Uh, this sixth sense of racial kinship with someone who has no consideration or care about our position, and that we sign off on policies that normally we would have been standing up rallying against. Mm-hmm. That well, is and my if point. we can extend that, Pascal, to uh, the idea of even if we look at, for those of you who are, are listening and you're not paying attention to international affairs, but you've just heard what Pascal has offered to us, is that Citizens United. It wasn't upheld by the, the Supreme Court for the benefit of Americans. It was upheld for the benefits of the uber-rich and powerful corporations, domestic and foreign, who demand that they get what they pay a lot for. I mean, do you remember uh, what Barbara Bush had to say at the time that Citizens United was upheld? She said something kind of like old lady-like, and I shouldn't be talking about no old ladies. I'm really not, excuse me, y'all, I'm not talking about no old ladies, but, but, you know, in the Barbara Bush kind of old lady kind of thing. Uh, she said so many of the corporations in the political arena were over. She used the word overprivileged anyway. So Citizens United was working very well for them. I mean, that is the system. Yeah, and 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 the idea that we can't get a sensible common sense gun legislation, national gun legislation going on in this country has to do with the same thing. Has yes, to do with the our, exact same thing. Yeah. It is the the foundation of the empire and for those of you who are listening to this ragtime radio show, y'all ain't in the empire. Y'all just holding up space. The empire is not you. Let me let's just say that, and that is why we push so hard here for you to create your own empire, because the system that makes these gears move are, is not a system where when the when the when the vehicle really gets going, we we not in that vehicle. <laughs> we're not even nowhere near that vehicle. It's actually it's like we're being ground. We're being ground to powder by that vehicle. Under actually. the vehicle, yes, yes, absolutely. I really do appreciate your call, and I really do appreciate your support of of this broadcast. Let me ask you a question very quickly about the idea of. How we begin, I mean, you're one of my Facebook friends, and, and I I read your stuff religiously. And the idea of how we begin to national, I mean, I was listening to Dr. Julia Hare. I mean, Dr. Julia Hare and I, we have traveled together, um, and... She, I, she's been on our common ground. And, uh, I, I think the last time she was on here was the last interview that she ever did. And, and, and we talk all through the night. We were at a hotel. We were at a hotel one night in, 
in um, Louisiana, and we sat in a hotel lobby, and when we knew anything, the sun was coming out up. But um, we talk a lot about trying to move our 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 agency as citizens in this country as black people. And I do a lot of supporting the notion that activism has to be at the local level, but we have to connect it. I mean, a long time ago when I first started radio, Bob Law, uh, uh, Bernie, um, God, I can't think of his name, um, all of the black talk show hosts, we all had three- and four-hour shows every day. And um, we used to have each other as guests. We used to try to work on the same agenda. We used to try to push the same ideas and notions about organizing community. What's your idea about how we begin to 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 create uh, a mechanism by which our children are going to survive? Well, I mean, I, I'm going to say something that for me is not controversial, but for many people it is, is and it might be, is that uh, I think that the very simple, simple reality that has to be understood is that the, the the mechanism by which this oppressive system functions on functions on is capitalism, and unless we are ready to confront capitalism as an as an economic model and find an alternative paradigm that not only generates wealth for individuals and millionaires in the black community like we had under black capitalism in the 70s under Nixon, but a collective cooperative economic model that empowers poor and working class people with independent economic paradigms like credit unions, cooperative workers unions, cooperative economic models that can empower working black people to create wealth and circulate wealth in our communities divorced from the overall capitalist paradigm and generate income in our communities, any other conversation about dealing with the black community, in my opinion, is a waste of time. If the, if the conversation is not rooted in finding a remedy for capitalism in black people's poor and working class black people's everyday lives, because, you know, upper middle class and middle class black folk are doing fine, and they don't want to challenge capitalism, because capitalism works for them, for most of them anyway. But poor and working class black people, and it's going to be hard for poor black people, because poor black people do not have the ability to leverage labor, because most of them are not working. But working class black folk, poor black folk, we have to find a way to create alternative economic models. And there was one person who I saw that was doing this, and unfortunately had passed away, was Chakwe Lumumba in Jackson, Mississippi with the Jackson yeah. Rising Conference was talking about how to create a cooperative economic model for black people while he was a mayor of Jackson and he mysteriously died and I think that was probably the most revolutionary thing I had seen in black politics in my whole adult life and I'm 46 mm-hmm. years old. Mm-hmm. But you know in the in the 70s and the late 60s um, there were a number of credit unions and black banks. I, I remember uh, my parents uh, organized a black bank. Well, they were part of. They were on the board, um, and all the members of that of the people, all the people who who organized that bank, invested in that bank, which was an investment in our community. And a lot of black people like uh, remortgaged their homes to make that black bank, and 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 it's been gone. It's been gone since the 1980s out of mismanagement, and 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 that's just that's not just us. That's just what happens to small banks. 
but now there we are much more sophisticated and we've got to get Sandy Darity and Derek Hamilton back on this show to talk more about baby bonds and that kind of thing for our communities. Pascal, thank you so very much for for joining us tonight. And I didn't know you were out there. I had no idea. Definitely no problem. (laughs) You going to stay with us this way or are you going to hang up? I'll try to stick stick around. We'll put you on hold, on mute. Okay. Thank you so very much. Our number is 347-838-9852. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk more about what this brother had to say because, you know, if you're not paying attention to the – your tax dollars feeds the strategies for our uh, uh, foreign affairs agenda. You understand that, right? I know you understand that. So we need to pay more attention to the particulars, especially, you know, you remember doing the, doing the, uh, doing the going into Iraq. Nobody was paying attention to what Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld had to say, what they were doing. It was a mistake. During the time of the execution of Libya's Gaddafi, when we were on these airwaves talking about you need to know what Gaddafi has done in Libya before you make a judgment or an analysis about America's engagement, encouragement, and involvement, you all need to start looking at Homeland. I mean, talking about these black TV shows, and I do want to hear from you about those. I I watch I watch Homeland like it's a lesson part of my lesson plan because they give away secrets and they don't even know they're giving away secrets about how this country works. Our number three four seven eight three eight nine eight five eight three eight nine eight five two three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. Shut up, Alpha. I know you got something to say about it, but um, we're going to take a break and when we. Um, when we come back, I want to talk about media. I want to talk about whether or not uh, we're just a we're just suffering from something that uh, we we need to get a hold of. And any of you out there going uh, down to Washington on October 10th to the Justice or Else conference? Um, I want to talk to you, and you know, um, uh, Brother Minister uh, Louis Farrakhan announced it as the 20th anniversary gathering of the Million Man March. Um, Willie Wilson, Dr. Will, Reverend Dr. Willie Wilson, is involved. I have a great deal of respect, and he's been on this program, um, and and. So we need to talk about um, an article that I'll give you a piece piece of when we come back uh, from uh, our brother and our Common Ground voice, Bruce A. Dixon, who is the uh, managing editor of the Black Agenda Report, and what they have to what he had to say 
about why he's not going. This is our common ground, and I want to tell the engineer, let's go to a break. You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. wake up the entire African-American community to the hidden issue of mental health. It showed up in my life through one of my best friends. And we've been friends for over 30 years. One story at a time. If we would have known earlier, you know, we would have been more, much more supportive with her. Once I reached out to my sister, it got a little better. Once I told my mother, it got a little better. The more I talked about it, I felt it coming off. The healing is in me, and the healing in a journey can also be extended to others. It's our community and our mental health. Giving voice to what you're feeling is part of the healing. If you're strong enough to just open your mouth, that's all it takes. And the most revolutionary and healing thing that black people can do right now is to love one another. It's time to share ourselves. Healing starts with us. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services the Ad Council, and the Stay Strong Foundation. You're listening to TruthWorks Network. I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. If it's real raw right now, talk media. Come on, baby, say it with me. It can only be the I Declare Show. Talk soon. Hi, my friend and colleague on Blog Talk Radio. Every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the I Declare Show with India Declare. India returns September 15th, 9 p.m. Are you breathing oxygen in? Are you raising the energy up? Or are you bringing the energy down? There's no middle ground. It's your real, raw, and right now talk radio. I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Blog Talk Radio. I Declare It. Dealing with the difficult, real, raw, right now. I Declare Show, baby. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. my friend India Declare on the I Declare show 9 p.m. Tuesdays right here at Blog Talk Radio. She's bringing it real raw and right now. We're going to, I've got something I want to share with you about, uh, 
I don't know how many of you, and you can call me at 347-838-9852, and don't forget, when you dial in to talk with us, you have to hit one so that I will can see you on my studio board. Me and all the 20 people that's in here helping me run this uh, luxurious radio studio. This is radio. It is not... Uh, a phone call or a conference call or all that. So we need you to give us a call at 347-838-9852. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with this. And don't forget uh, to to find us on Facebook at OCG Talk uh, and give us some numbers. We got some real pitiful numbers. I was checking my friend out, uh, Norman Goldman, who has a fantastic show, by the way. He's also charging $10, and um, he was able to pay his $50,000 satellite bill last month because all of his listeners sent him money. Um, he and his wife have been running that show. He only has one terrestrial outlet left. It is the best white progressive talk in this nation. I, I just have to say it. Uh, I listen to Norman Goldman every night, um, no matter what. If I if I miss a show, I go back and listen because he's very informative. He's very entertaining. He's um, um, just a really good talk show monitor uh, moderator. Our number three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. And don't forget, I want you to know. I want to remind you. We have so many um, Facebook pages is, is uh, ridiculous. And when I say we, we're talking about our common ground media and communications. TruthWorks Network, Working While Black, Black Women in Prism, in the Prism. Uh, we 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 sponsor a reparations reader on Facebooks. Roots of Transformation for our work uh, in Africa and uh, throughout. I hate saying the Middle East because, you know, what we know, Saudi Arabia and and, and Syria and, you know, those were parts of Africa until the empire went in and put in the Suez Canal. You all know that, right? You understand that. Okay, as long as you understand it. Um, So Roots of Transformation is a project of uh, our international affairs for uh, poor people in, um, especially in Ethiopia, Mali, Rwanda, uh, Tanzania, places where I have worked, uh, places where I have an investment in both time and effort. The Alpha Show is another Facebook page. Uh, Zero Tolerance for the School-to-Prison Pipeline is another Facebook page. Uh, Global Village Radio, which we hope we'll have up and running in a couple of months. And Commentaries on the Time with Playtel Benjamin. We hope that you will support us in all of that. But I, I just want to go back to this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm being um, very Southern tonight. Uh, I want to go back to this thing. Norman Goldman has... 20,000 Facebook fans. Now, you all know you could do better. And Lord help us. Glenn Beck is asking for $10 a month, and he's going to make 20 
million dollars it is projected in the first year of his new television show, which is going to be on the internet. I don't know how that works, but um, and broadcasters, we are struggling now. I can't. I went into radio. You all know I keep my my my, my day job because <laughs> even though I went from five nights a week to to one night a week. Uh, I, I, I've never expected to be able to make money doing this because when you make money doing this, when you make money informing, teaching, and trying to liberate people, the liberation part gets dropped off because the people who who help you make money, who, who give you the money, don't want you liberating anybody. We're at the top of the hour, or even eight minutes after the hour, we're going to go to our phones. You're listening to Our Common Ground. For those of you who just stepped in, I've got my Dr. Pepper and my Jalapeno Papas, which I've been running my mouth, so, you know, I don't have uh, Dr. Ruby to give me a little break here tonight. 347, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Whoa, it's Loka Michelle. She is our uh, administrator, programming administrator, uh, and assistant. Uh, Thank you for your call. Good to hear from you, Michelle. How are things in New York City? Cold. Yeah, we're cold too. (laughs) Hey, listen, but tell that was us a hot call little, you just had. What? Yeah, it was. was a, yeah. Deep. Deep. Tell us something about your, uh, I, I did want you to call in to tell us just briefly about your feminist reading circle, which I sat in on, and I didn't know what to do, so I just listened. And I'm certainly not showing my face because I don't think I'd even wash my face that day. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time. There is no time for the struggler. <laughs> that that is the problem with video. You do have to take a shower. <laughs> I know. You know when Cold when I used, even when I used to work in the radio in radio stations, um, especially in the one that I that I started with, I was still doing consulting. So I had to put rollers in my hair to keep the headset for making my hair flat. And sometimes I was in there with my pajama top under my sweatshirt <laughs> 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 and praying the place didn't didn't burn down. <laughs> Tell us a little about your reading circle and how people can join. Well, it's called the Global Black Feminist Reading Circle. And you can search for that name on Google. We're on our community pages on Google Plus, and uh, our archived videos are on YouTube. And we broadcast live on YouTube most Tuesday evenings, uh, 6:30 p.m. Eastern time. What kind um, of reading do you do? Well, um trying to focus on things that impact us as black people and as women. Um, We haven't done anything that I would call explicitly feminist yet, but that is 
um, something that I want us to really get into because I think it's a conversation that's desperately needed in our community. Can you post um, we, the uh, the the Can you post post it on the link? Uh, the link in our in our chat room. I know you're in the chat room. Yeah, I can do that. Um, but so you know, it just in terms of the conversation that you're having here tonight. Um, one of the things that motivated me to start the group um, is, you know, I think we have to really create our own alternative voices, our own alternative forms of media. And there's a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff out there. You know, I know there's a lot of stuff out there. It's not, um, as you were just saying, you know, it's not all supported in the ways that it ought to be. But even with everything that's that's out there, I was trying to fill a need um, for myself in, in a place where people could really take time to kind of slow down and and look at the issues because I think we're missing something somewhere. Um you know, and I think um, in the kind of competitive, fast-paced world that that we're living in, um, I, we're losing touch with how to talk to each other uh, and connect to each other. And so, um, you know, and and you know, I mean, everybody kind of knows my story, but it it. For me, started with a health crisis that led to financial crises that led to spiritual crises, and all of these things kind of combined. And one outcome of that was that I couldn't afford cable for quite a while, and that actually was an opportunity to to let go of the addiction to TV. And, you know, I'm born in 1959. TV was born in 1950. Um, You know, there never was a time in my life when there wasn't TV. Um, And so I think we don't even, we're not even aware of of how the messaging um, that comes through the boob tube is really influencing us. And so, you know, I'm going to say an old lady thing, but I think there's there's something of a, a generational divide going on around this, this TV show, Empire. And I've had some interesting discussions with it in the past week or so. When I first posted something on Facebook that said, um, you know, something like it's doing great in the ratings, but it's not doing anything for the image of black people. One of my friends showed up and said, you know, Logan, you're trying to get stoned. And a few minutes well, later, I was saying, Well, you could say that yeah. about, you would get that kind of response if you said something negative about Beyonce or oh, yeah. Jay-Z or Drake yeah, or uh, uh, Scandal, you know, Olivia Pope. Yes. Um, and, and, the, and the people on the, uh, you know, I, I have to, I look at, some of this stuff, uh, primarily because I have a um, an adult granddaughter, 
and 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 um and I have an adult daughter and they're talking about it so I started looking I even look at I even look look I tape it and I look at it in the midnight hour love and hip hop and the basketball Oh yeah, wow. you're, you're stronger than me. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> but you know, I'm a Game of Thrones woman. <laughs> so I'm I'm reading and watching that, and and sometimes I look up and say, Nah, I know she didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, or this the murder she wrote, or uh, how to get away with murder. Yeah, um, yeah. And and then you have this new show uh with Wesley Snipes and I realized the boy needed a job uh the player right. where he's some diabolical kill some people, I kidnap you or I hold you hostage and kill some oh, people. Oh, I have uh kind of thing. And then there's um you know, and Isaiah Washington when he was on uh with us we talked about his career in Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I I I think that we do have to be we do have to be conscious. And the Empire thing and the, the other show, the Power thing. See, this is uh-huh. why I'm so sleep deprived. I am just so sleep deprived that I'm a, a little bit nuts around three o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Um, we have to be very careful about it's it's the same thing in radio Michelle well I, I'm we have glad to be careful that you phrased, to. I'm glad that you phrased the question in the beginning about what is the message we're getting because that's you know that's what I think people are not clued into there my kids my my son and my daughter-in-law the young people in my life you know they were the first ones to uh, show up and throw stones at me, <laughs> and because they're seduced by the good music, Empire has good music. Uh, you know, pretty well, close. I, now we could, if I didn't have some other callers holding on, uh, <laughs> I would have to have an argument with you about that. But you know, <laughs> you, know you know, I mean, on a scale, <laughs> it's not yeah. the worst. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and then you have. Um, let me let me and I know that two two five is holding talk to me and Michelle I really appreciate your call but I, I want to share some of what we've been talking about right here has uh, in, in this conversation with you mm-hmm. uh, let me let me share this um, this clip that I prepared. There has to be a balance, yep. and I think because you have an Olivia Pope, because we do have, I mean, there was a time, I think, when there was a big vacuum between the Cosby show and a different world, mm-hmm. when we saw all these great affirmative portrayals of ourselves, and then this sort of long drought where there really wasn't much, and now you do see a glut of reality television that I think does present a one one view of black women. That's one way to look at us, but it's still difficult to see African-American women as actresses getting lead roles in serious dramas. There's not enough of a variety, and I think as long as there's balance, 
there's room for everything. You know, I mean, I watch my Braxton's. I, I, I watch sure. it. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of my shows I like. You know, and, and you have to have a little bit of fun in TV, too. We can't be serious all the time. Sure. So I think there's room for both. But I do worry a little bit that the image of black women is becoming one-dimensional in terms of the way the rest of the world sort of looks at us, that we're only seen as reality TV. And we're not given the opportunity for a Kenya Moore to be cast in another drama. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, you're saying it's creepy. Look, NeNe Leakes is now a bona fide actress. She's yep. managed to make a lot out of her experience. So I think that there's all, an opportunity to grow from it. And I think as long as there's balance, it's okay. Tanya, let me ask you the role model question and the question of our adolescent girls. I just had you sign Parker's book, and Parker's my daughter. She's 11 and a half. And I think to myself, on the one hand, I, I, I'm always a little uncomfortable when people say, you need a role model who looks like you. I feel like if a human can do it, I can do it, whether she's a black woman or not. But on the other hand, I also, like, if, if my 11-year-old were watching that, I would, I would feel a sense of angst about what it might be teaching her about how to manage the conflict and crises that we have in our lives. Well, I think the issue is, as Joanna said, I don't think we have enough representations of who we are out there, especially for young people. This is our common ground. Thank you for joining us tonight. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. And now, back to Janice. Michelle, I really want to thank you for helping me set that up because I do think we have to worry about the messages. But but there's something else about Mm -hmm. how we express who we are in reality. Right. Well, there's nothing. There's no reality based. I mean. But, you know, the thing what, is... What, what I hear from my son is that that re- does represent a portion of reality. And so he to the rap industry and the killing and all the whatnot that, that goes on there. I don't know those people. I've been living for 55 years. I don't know those people. Yeah, yeah. But, I, don't know, I, I don't know those people either. Uh, I, I do know... <laughs> I do know the people who become addicted. I was I was with a group of um, women who are working. You know, I used to teach at Northeastern University, and one of the courses that I taught was a course where women who were on a succession plan to go into management in companies around the Boston area had to take this class that I taught women in management. Mm-hmm. And 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 so uh last week I made a presentation to that class that I set up years and years ago back in the 70s. Um um and they had brought in women who they were mentoring. And I am telling you that these that that we have women in our community. There were a lot of black women in that room, and we have women in our community who become who find solace in an unreal kind of black world. Mm-hmm. Um, who 
uh, they're they're associated and connected with the music, the people who sing and the hip hop singers and I don't and rappers and 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 as though that they are part of that world. Yeah. And yeah. they are not. And right. that is what is so disconcerting about it. You know, for instance, yeah. um in in the in the TV show Scandal. Mm-hmm. Olivia Pope lives in a world that I can identify maybe 10 people. Right. Right, and that's, you know, that's the thing. It's like if if this were a TV show about the life of Oprah, Oprah. it's not that she doesn't exist, but, (laughs) you know, how many Oprahs are there? And is that representative? And in in the clip that you played, the issue of balance, to me, you know, if we've had 100 years of being portrayed as criminals and whores, then give us a hundred years of, of of something else, and then we can talk about balance. But at this point, you know, with with black people being shot down in the street on a, a daily basis, I don't understand how we cannot be asking ourselves how we cannot make the connection between how we're portrayed in media, and how we're treated for real in society. But, you know, there's there's something missing. So, BJ, are you there? I am here. I was disconnected for a moment. Um, And what I was saying is that these young women are, are, are so... In, imbued yeah. in the the messages and the images of these shows that it is difficult for them not to disassociate from their own lives and their own struggle. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much. I've got to go. 225 has been, been holding on for a while. But uh, thank you for helping me set up. Uh, that particular, and, and we're going to hear from, it's uh, almost the, the bottom of the uh, the second hour of our show. Our number is 347-838-9852. And thank you so much, Michelle, okay. for what you do for this broadcast. And we hope right. that you will join Michelle. Uh, they were doing something very interesting. Uh, you know how much I love Octavia Butler. And... Um, they were discussing uh an Octavia Butler book uh last week and it was interesting to hear other people's uh take and perspectives on um uh the the pattern master. Two two five two two five, you're on the air. I respect you, thank you for your call. Hi. Uh, I got disconnected there for a minute. Yes, I've been planning on, it's been over a year, I've been planning on tuning to the radio show, and I've been trying to call in, and, um, you know, I haven't, you know, times that I've been coming out even on a Saturday, but I'm glad to be tuning. I don't know what the topic is for tonight, but I have been, um, I think, following y'all for about three years. 
We, we just um, finished talking to Michelle Odom, uh, and and thank you for for following us for and and for joining us. It's open mic Saturday night tonight at our common ground, so you're calling it a good time. But we were just talking about the black TV shows and how um, the the black TV shows is beating the box office uh, shows like Empire, Scandal. I keep calling it Murder, She Wrote, but it's not Murder, She Wrote. It's something about oh, how to get away with murder um, and, 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 and how not the characters. I mean, all of you are going to like some of the characters, but, um, you know, in, 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 and and that's what we we're talking about the messages of these shows the the how it draws well in my opinion it draws us away you know how we are enamored with uh Shonda Rhimes and and her Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and how to get away with murder uh we just love Viola Davis we were crazy about Netflix's Orange is the New Black uh, so um, and and you know Laverne Cox and Nene 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 Leech. Nene Nene um, have become very popular in the in mm-hmm. pop culture uh, mm-hmm. in this country. So there's no denying that television across the board with these black people, where the focus and excitement is right now, is just with the with the black people. But you find that on the other show black black blackish I've never seen that show so I can't talk very much about it but um we didn't get the box office numbers for Selma or Beyond the Lights or Dear White mm-hmm. People um or, or Denzel Washington's um uh film 2014 film The Equalizer but these TV shows are uh, 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 they're Going off the chart, Nielsen charts. What do you think? It, yeah. Okay, my response is that you know, it's it's only what people watch and want to watch that is put on TV. So until people want to watch positive, and until positive people really start watching in the masses, that's exactly why TV is the way that it is. Because the TV is not making, is not turning itself on. It's somebody going to press it and put it on the channel. And what's on, they keep it there, they watch it, they can have conversation about it. So mm-hmm. we, we have positive, we have, you know, Bounce TV, we have the positive network, uh, a young teen started that she's about grown, not a young adult now. Uh, we have that stuff, but a lot of people, it's not name brand or everybody else not doing it, people don't want to tune to it. Um, mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. Hmm? Let, let me... Let me bring you into another conversation or discussion that we have had tonight, and that is in regard to the Obama administration's engagement in uh, foreign affairs and the policies that he set up relative to um, to Cuba, Syria, um, and his interaction with um uh with Putin over the uh, in the last week. Mm-hmm. What's your response? How do you feel this president is administering foreign affairs policy? 
I, I kind of believe in the sweep around your own front doors before you come sweep around mine. That's what I believe. <laughs> it's just too much. It is just too much a man to keep up with everything. It's like we're fighting with every country to the point we don't know who we fighting with or who what. But then at the same time, the same people is either you befriended them, manipulated them, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's all over the board. So it's like you 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 gonna you gonna get you know what I'm saying? You at a a possibility of having karma. So you trying? That's why you're playing the deck of cards. You're playing deck of cards, the shuffling. You don't know who we friends with today, who we enters with tomorrow, who we trying to make be our friends, who we befriending as though we like them, and then we'll be in war with them in the next decade. So I don't speak those people's language. I can't be arguing with those people. I don't. I don't have an idea or what they think. I'm not gonna try to be no psychic to them or believe what somebody else telling me. So we really need to focus domestically. We, we add. Some people just make life more complicated than what it has to be. Stick to your own country. Recognize the wrong that has happened with other countries and what you did to your own people and, and, and get the local stuff correct. You have two, just the health problems alone in this country is enough. It's a, it's a war. It's almost there. You have all these people with diabetes, sickle cell anemia, cancer. Just dealing with those three things, you shouldn't even want you you should be want to be p or uh, cordial or mediocre with any other country. We shouldn't be trying to go take nobody else's resources. Nothing. We need to be trying to deal with having our health together and making sure that we correct the past uh, of what's been done in this country. Sister, let and me you ask you where you're calling from. Where huh? you? What, what part of the country are you calling from? I'm here on the East Coast, but I'm originally from Louisiana. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, okay. Well, you have made it quite plain here tonight. Now, you're going to be with us next week because Tommy Curry is going to be here. We're going to be talking about black boys. Who's Tommy Curry? Dr. Tommy J. Curry from the Te- Texas A&M University. Okay, you I, know. I'm, not, I'm not familiar with him. Okay, he he is one of our featured commentators, and he's going to be with us next week. And the week after, we're going to finish our Rebellion and Resistance uh, series with Dr. Ruby Sales, talking about organizing on the local level. Okay. That and having the language right and having our mindsets right, and I really do appreciate you making it plain tonight. Thank you so very much for the call. I'm going to put you on mute so you can continue to listen uh, with us. And if you're on Facebook, give me a shout out. (laughs) I always miss that part. Thank you so very much for your call. We're at the bottom of of the hour. Uh, actually, we're over uh, three minutes, and we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Brother Umar Johnson on the whole idea of the media, because this sister really brought it down to you. And I really thank her uh, for sharing with us the real deal, because it is about telling the truth. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. I'll be listening for you at 347-838-9852. Come on, get in this discussion and let's tell some truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. 
odds of this daughter of a clergyman spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One in 1.4 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org.
whether any of you out there are planning to attend uh, the Justice or Else rally in Washington, D.C. next Saturday, October 10th, uh, and whether or not there are those of you out there who are not attending. Our dear brother, um, Black Agenda Report Managing Editor Bruce Dixon, um, had this to say about um, uh, the this event on October 10th called by Brother Minister Farrakhan, Justice or Else, um, he had to say, getting on the bus to D.C. this October 10th, um, I wish you safe travels, but I am not coming, or he, I ain't coming. Justice or else is a meaningless slogan, and Million Man March continues a century-old tradition of black leadership dependent on an unprincipled pretense of black unity so empowered leaders can speak for us while we serve as their mute unless commanded otherwise backdrop. What's your thoughts about that? Our number is 347-838-9852. Um, I have a great deal of of memories. Uh, in regard to the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, I have been personally disappointed at the loss of the spirit and the power come out of that march. Uh, I was a member for many years of an E-list, uh, uh, Afro-AM E-list, which was one of the first all-black email lists on the internet. Um, you you would know the names. Um, Tanahisi Coates was a student. Um, Dr. Kimberly Ellis, Dr. Goddess, was a student. Ray Wim, Dr. Ray Wimbush. Dr. Um, um, Wayne, Wayne Hicks, Dr. Art McGee. There must have been about four or five hundred of us. And the e, if, if for some of you who might be too young to understand what an e-list is, somebody sends out an email, it goes to all the groups, people respond, and their response goes to everybody. It's kind of like Twitter without 140 characters um, um, restriction, and it, it it was done through email. Um, so there were there had to be a, a little over 500. It was started by a young man who I can't think of his name now. He teaches at Duke University. But uh, it was on a Duke University server, and we every night it was like Twitter. You never moved away from your email because you were following a thread, or the you know you were the the subject would show up through the subject line on your email. Um, 
So you, 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 it was, I know I said it before, it was like Twitter, except for you could, you could explain yourself more. <laughs> and I was a everybody was moving to Facebook. See, that's how we do each other. Um, and then I had a blog that operated similar on the Ning server. So we organized to meet and to support the Million Man March over Afro-Am L. The list still is, if any of you are interested and would like to join, the list still goes on. Um, And many of the people that I just mentioned, not Dr. Raymond Wimbush, but uh, there were loads and loads of black scholars and their students. Dr. Kimberly, that's how I know Dr. Kimberly Ellis. She was a student at Vander she was a student at Vanderbilt undergraduate. And on that list I watched her go from getting her bachelor's degree to her master's degree to her PhD. Um so um you know there are some scholars who came up through there getting their PhDs, um, um, left of the host of Left of Black at Duke University, whose name is just escaping me as much as I know him. Some of these people, Dr. Walter Gleason, um, Dr. Uh, Kenner Tipping, Tipper, uh, they were students, and I watched them as they got married and had children which is why I feel close to their children because the announcement of the baby came today or the announcement of I decided to ask her to to marry me all came through on Afro-ML. We organized, went to the Million Man March, and um, doing that pledge that you just heard on that clip, doing that pledge, I wept. I could not stop crying. Uh, I didn't have any grandsons at the time, but I had a granddaughter, and we organized, and there were about 30 of us that went together down to Washington, D.C. There were buses and trains. Everybody was going to the Million Man March. And uh, here we are 20 years later, and the promise of the Million Man March has not fulfilled its potential. So Bruce uh, Dixon is writing when the bu- bu- buses pull out for the million when the buses pull out for the million man march 20 next week they'll do it without me. I ain't going. I missed the 1995 million man march on purpose too. I had a moment of unclarity t- 10 years ago and thought seriously about going to the Million Man March 10th anniversary, but didn't, and I'm sure I did the right thing. Why? According to the Nation of Islam, the theme of the first Million Man March was atonement. The main problem of black America, Nation of Islam explains, was the perfidy of black men. So a million, maybe two million of us converged in D.C. led by figures like Reverend Ben Chavis, who undeniably has a great deal to atone for, to protest against ourselves. 
What's your thoughts? Our number is 347-838-9852. As we uh, wait for... Uh, you know, I don't have enough time on this on this phone. I used to do three hours, um, and three hours was not enough time. I listen to a four-hour broadcast every morning, um, and what a waste of time <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so you you never know with radio. Our number is three four seven eight three eight. Uh, 9852, and I do want to share with you um, Dr. Umar Johnson's take on the media because I think it's worthy of your thinking through some of what he has to say. So when we talk about propaganda, we got to recognize something that most of the misinformation you get comes to you from five companies, AOL, Time Warner, and Walt Disney. Bertelsmann, Viacom, and Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. Five families control all information. All your music, all your movies, all your DVDs, all your TV shows, all your empires and scandals, and all of that come from five groups. The five families, baby. That's why all the news is the same. It's all the same. And the leaders of those five families all sit at the table of the Bilderberger family. The Bilderberg is the Council of 300. It's the organization of the white supremacist power structure. The 300 most important white men and women sit around that table and they dictate destiny for the world. And they're going to do that so black folks stand up and decide to dictate destiny for ourselves. Talk about a free press. Ain't no such thing as a free press. You know what they do to reporters who tell the truth? Your ass end up dead. Anybody saw the movie Kill the Messenger came out last month? About the white reporter from the San Jose Times who uncovered the fact that the CIA was selling crack in the black community? Gary West. And they blew his damn brains out? Ain't no damn free press. If they ever catch you telling the truth about something white folks doing, you are out of here. I work on a newspaper too, the Umar Johnson newspaper, and we're going to put out, I'm going to have the exposed white supremacy page. Any type of racism that you go through, you want to send it to me, I'm going to put it right in that paper. You went into the supermarket and they followed your ass around the whole time you were shopping, they're getting exposed. That's right, we want to expose all their ass, Chinese store and all that. Expose them, dirty ass chicken wings, expose them. <laughs> you know damn well there ain't no chicken you eat. What chicken usually look like this? <laughs> Have you ever noticed license and inspection never go to the Chinese store? Have you ever seen the city inspect a Chinese store for health? Has anybody? Nope. But let you open up a black restaurant in Reno. They be out there every day talking about you ain't got enough smoke alarm. You need an extra back door, your stove too small, you ain't got enough roach traps. Maybe all of them in there. But they don't bother the Chinese, though. $500 billion is what they spent on mind control. 
Can anybody tell me why the United States government spends a half a trillion dollars on media? You know why they spend a half a trillion dollars on media? Because white folk are a minority in the world, and the best way you can control the majority being a minority, you got to control the way they think, and that's the purpose of media. You stop people from going to war. Anybody ever heard of the Rockefeller Board of Education? Did y'all know the Rockefellers had their own Board of Education? Oh, yeah. Why would a family that's into global investment in oil start a school board when they ain't got no damn schools? Because the Rockefellers said, if we want to control the world, we got to control the textbooks that the schools use. We have to make sure we know what they teach in the children, or otherwise they might teach the children to take our power. Why do you think your children don't get classes on economics, <laughs> classes on real estate, classes on multinational investment? It's set up like that, that you don't get taught big business in school. That's how they set it up. You get taught how to work for white folks. And that's why the schools are closing down now. Because they don't need black workers no more. Don't you got schools closing down around here? Oh, yeah, they shut the public schools down, baby. Ain't going to be no public education in the next 50 years because they don't need no black workers in the next 50 years. They got the Mexicans here to do that. You're done. If you don't create an economy for yourself, you will die. You can pray all you want, march all you want, vote all you want. America no longer needs the black man's labor. America no longer needs the black woman's labor. That's why you can go to college and still not get no job, because they don't need you. This is the reality. Public schools were started to teach you how to read, how to write, and how to count, so you can go work for Chevy. Go work for Walmart. Go work for McDonald's. Go work for the factory. But they didn't send all those factories to second and third world nations and the ones that's still here to give them to the Mexicans and Latinos. You ain't got no damn job. So what is the purpose of public school now? The purpose of public school now is to prepare black girls for poverty and black boys for jail. The new racism is to act like there is no racism. Intelligence testing. William Stern, a German Jew, who was ultimately kicked out by Adolf Hitler, but he worked with Adolf Hitler for a while, and it was him who gave Adolf Hitler the science of intelligence testing that he made up to justify the extermination of European Jews. I don't know if y'all know this, but when they did the research on the Nazi uh, Exterminations, the Holocaust. Most of the Jews they killed had an IQ test and they folded. They used the IQ test to justify extermination, just like the United States used the IQ test to justify sterilization of black folks. Half the states in this country did not let you have children or get married if your IQ score was below a certain point. America didn't copy Hitler. Hitler copied America. The whole Nazi science program was born right here. And Hitler was financed from Wall Street by European Jews. Why is that interesting? Because the first thing white folk want to tell black folk, black people sold you into slavery. Don't get mad at us because it was your own people who sold you. Oh, really? Why I ain't heard nobody tell the white Jew man yet 
that it was your own people who financed your Holocaust, so stop complaining about it. Black people need to get over slavery. Why y'all keep talking about slavery? Oh, really? Ain't nobody told the Jews that. They come out with a Holocaust movie every month. <laughs> Look at the double standard. I didn't participate in your Holocaust, European Jew, but you damn sure participated in mine. You was the primary financier of most of the slave ships. You was the primary financier of most of the insurance companies that insured my body on a right. But I helped you, European Jew. In World War II, it was a group of black soldiers known as the Liberators who went into the heart of Berlin and freed the European Jews from the worst concentration camps. I helped y'all. You hurt us. Don't ask me to cry no damn tears for you. Because you own the media companies that's putting out negative images of black men. You own the record companies that's putting out negative images of black folks. You own the magazines and the newspapers. Don't you dare say, I got to cry a tear for you. I ain't got no tears for nobody but black folks. And I don't hate nobody else either. But my love is for mines. My love is for mines. I'm unapologetically African. And I'm going to die that. I'm going to die that. And you better die that too. The time has come for us to stop feeling insecure about being proud of who we are. The Latino loves being Latino and don't speak for nobody but the Latino. The Chinese love being Chinese and they don't speak for nobody but the Chinese. The Arab loves being Arabian and he don't speak for nobody but the Arab. It's time for the black man to love being the black man and don't speak for nobody but ourselves. What Marcus Garvey said? The most prominent prophet and king of Pan-Africanism, provisional president of Africa, the only black man to organize more than a million people, 15 million to be exact, the man who laid down the plan for every organization to come after me. I don't care what group you belong to, they copied Garvey, every last one. Garvey said, if the black man is not careful, if the black man is not careful, he will drink in all the poison of Western civilization and die from the effects of it. Ain't that us? We drink it like hell, ain't we? Drink it. You're tuned in to our common ground. Thank you for being with us this evening. All we want to do is take the chains off. All we want to do is break the chains off. All we want to do is be free. All we want to do is be free. And that is Dr. Umar Johnson. Um, I I think that that message can connect us up to, from our first caller who talked about, if we're not talking about building an economic infrastructure for ourselves that will not only be faithful, faithful to us and to our the purpose that we have to put before us, the fix, the end game. There will be no end game. And our dear sister who was calling from the East Coast, who was just laying it out for real, because we've got to start thinking about the survival of our children. We hope you'll join us with Dr. Tommy J. Curry next Saturday. We've got something on um, for us for next week. 
And we'll talk more about my idea about this narcissism. Have a good weekend. Who are you? When you don't know, when you should have done, but you didn't, when you should have, but you don't, when you can't find, won't ask, can't say what you want. Who are you? When you recognize that you have accepted, tolerated, and accommodated stuff from them or him or her that has diminished yourself. Just who are you? Love me, love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you for my love is like the Thank you so much for being with us here at our common ground. Each Saturday, ten PM, I'm Janice Graham and I'll be listening for you. A special thanks to our chatters in our chat room. Join us on Facebook, Tumblr, Pin interest and our website at ourcommonground.com. Twitter follow at Janice OCG. Have a great weekend. See you next week. Transforming truth to power. One broadcast at a time.